Prayer that brings transformation. Prayer that brings transformation. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Prayer that brings transformation. We've all been in situations that need change, right? We've all been in scenarios where we knew shouldn't be this way. And Daniel prays a prayer here that paves the way for the fulfillment of God's will for the people of Israel. I think we can learn from that this morning. And so I've got about, I think all y'all could handle was five Ps this morning. I had seven or eight. I whittled them down. I might have snuck them into another point. I'm not going to tell you. You'll have to find out. But look, the first is this, the person of transformational prayer. The person of transformational prayer. Now, when we think about prayer warriors or people of prayer, and I was even testing my daughter out on this, just, just kind of, when you think of, uh, Brielle, when you think of a prayer warrior uh, or, or a person of prayer in the present day, who do you think of? You know what she said? She said, Sandra Stinson. And so she told this, even Sandra Stinson said this, this past Wednesday night, if y'all, hopefully we'll get the, the message that Matthew preached on the legacy of prayer Wednesday night, it was great. But she came forward and gave a testimony. And she said, if it wasn't for my praying grandmother, her praying grandmother, I wouldn't be in the kingdom today. She drug me in to the prayer closet for a long time and prayed for me time and time again. And so this is kind of the picture we see. This is from the war room. If y'all remember the movie, a praying grandmother to pray for uh, her, uh, I think it was a granddaughter in the movie, in their marriage, praying for them. And that's kind of the picture that we get out of a, a prayer warrior, a prayer, a prayer person. But I think of someone um, like this. This is who I think of when I think of prayer, um, is children. And I don't know, you see these kids pray, and they fold their hands and they pray. I think of uh, my kids who, ha who, who have prayed things against my will and received the blessing from the Lord. Have you ever, has that ever happened? I remember my son praying for a Christmas present. I'm like, it's not happening, bro. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, God's not going to give that to you. <laughs> I remember telling him, look at me. I am not buying that for you. You can pray for that all you want. I will not pay a dollar of my money for that. God gave us the gift, like gave it to us. It was really expensive. I was like, my, brother, my boy can pray. That's not his only miracle in prayer, a provision, by the way. But God, God answers the prayer of young people, Amen. And then we might think of this person, maybe the priest, the, the one who's on his knee, might have the rosary beads, he, he might pray, but the old man praying. And that's kind of our picture of prayer. But it's interesting that that's our picture of a prayer warrior. But then this is why I asked Brielle, my daughter, I said, who's a prayer warrior in the Bible? Who's a person of prayer? And this is what she said. She said, David. David. David wrote a book of prayer, hundreds of them. And we don't think of a prayer warrior. Now, I put that guy, I know David wasn't white, but what I like about that guy right there <laughs> is he looks adolescent because that's how old David was. I know my son's out there practicing his bat flip after you hit home run. I've seen lots of bat flips this week. How about that bat flip? Just walk up with Goliath's head. I'm sorry, did you think he was going to destroy me? Here you go. Um, but that's a prayer warrior, a man of prayer, not, not secluded 
We had this kind of, y'all have heard this before. This is a horrible statement, and forgive me, TD, for saying this. The, those who can't do teach, y'all have heard that? Yeah. Right? But here's the, we kind of had the, those who can't do pray. Right? We kind of put that on. And think about the people who've done great things for God. David, a man of prayer. Who else do we think of? We think of a man of prayer in the Bible or a person of prayer. There it is, Jesus, the carpenter. The man working with his hands, driving out people from the temple, a man of prayer. I would think if anyone didn't need prayer, be Jesus, the Son of God, and he was, by example, a person of prayer. And finally, our picture for this morning, Daniel, the person of prayer, right? He was a magistrate. He was a person of influence. He was very successful in, the, in Babylon, and he walked with lions as well. And so a person of prayer. So here's my point. The person of transformational prayer is the one praying. Is the one praying. It doesn't, it's, it's the whole gamut. It's the child. It's the adolescent. It's the grandmother and the grandfather. It's the warrior. It's the businessman or the businesswoman. It's the person who's praying. Are you fit one of those categories this morning? Do you have a pulse? You can be a person of transformational prayer. Amen? Number two, the pain of transformational prayer. In the first year of Darius, the son of, his name was Xerxes in the NIV, so I'll just go with that. Xerxes, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In his first year, I, Daniel, Turn my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. You don't pray transformational prayers because everything's going right. Amen? You don't pray for transformation because everything's honky-dory. You pray for transformational, you pray transformational prayers because there's a need. You experience the pain of that need. It's interesting that Daniel here is putting on sackcloth and ashes. Why? To feel the pain on a consistent basis because he doesn't feel it all the time. He does feel it from time to time, but he wants to feel it continually so that he'll pray from that place of pain. See, the year that the Chaldeans and this particular uh, leader took over if, if, you'll remember, if you know the story of Daniel, Daniel has come to Babylon against his wishes. Daniel has uh, been brought in as a young person. He has faced the trials of defiling himself, of consuming the culture, or saying, hey, I'm going to be set apart from the culture so that I can influence the culture. If you all remember that, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel has seen his friends thrown into the fiery furnace. He has walked in this kingdom who, because of his great power, they said, hey, he's going to try to pray. And, and they try to set up this scenario where he wouldn't pray. And what does he do? He prays three times a day and gets thrown into the lion's den. D Daniel has faced these trials. He's learned to maneuver this political environment. And then one night, there's this party in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar's son it's throwing this party, it's drunken revelry, it's crazy. And kind of like as the drinking, the drinking games emerge, 
They're like, hey man, remember those Israelites? Bring in the goblets we took from the temple. That'd be awesome. And you know, the friends are like, ha, 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 yeah, that'd be great. Bring them in. And so they're all drinking. They're getting drunk. They're going crazy. And then all in their drunken revelry, a hand appears on the wall and starts to write out a phrase that no one can interpret. You know, sobriety real quick. <laughs> and, and they start reaching around. Who's going to interpret this? Well, you know who interprets it is they bring in Daniel. He's about 80 years at this point. He's about 80 years old. He says, I'll, I'll interpret this dream. I'll interpret this phrase. The phrase is, many, many tekel parson. And so this is, and what's amazing is Daniel just doesn't interpret the phrase. He begins to tell a story. And he tells a story about this man's father. He goes, your dad was the king of kings. All men bowed to him, and he was great, and he took the glory for himself, and God humbled him. And he walked around. In fact, God drove him out of the palace, and he wandered in the fields and ate grass like a wild animal. And then one day, he humbled himself and turned to God and asked for forgiveness, and God restored him to his glory. And then he passed the baton to you, his son, and you have chosen pride and self-righteousness let me interpret this. Your days are numbered. You've been weighed and found wanting. And this night, this, this very night, the kingdom will be snatched from you. This is the judgment. Now, that very night, the Persians and the Medes would come in. They'd rout Babylon. They'd kill him and take his throne. I mean, that's a pretty substantial prophecy right there that Daniel delivers. Now, imagine you've been in this scenario under another kingdom for a long period of time. You've learned to maneuver. You have a place of influence. And in one moment, all your influence is taken away. You've got a new regime, a change of regime. You don't know, how do I, how do I maneuver with the Persians? I know how to maneuver with the Babylons. And so you have in this moment this this shift of regime, this maybe you got a new boss or, or maybe a new coach or, or maybe a new headmaster or, or maybe you're in a new scenario where everything you've kind of known has been turned upside down. And that's where Daniel is. See, he's experiencing insecurity. Have we ever experienced that before? That insecurity, what did Daniel do with that? He, he felt it. It was painful for him. And that's why we see this, this shift for him. He turns to figure out, God, what are you doing? Now, we know from Daniel that he was believing. There's this little caveat, and I think it's in Daniel chapter 6. When Daniel prays, it says he kneels at the window of his house. He opens his window toward Jerusalem, which has been utterly destroyed. It doesn't exist. And he prays to God that he would restore. And he does that three times a day. So it's not like Daniel isn't believing God for something. It's just that his world has been turned upside down. Things have been shaken for him. It's in this moment that he re-looks at the books, the Bible says. He picks up the scrolls of Jeremiah and says, how long do we have to be here? It's interesting how God uses these circumstances to rouse us from our complacency. I'm doing the stuff, God. Yes, but have you engaged me? It's not like Daniel wasn't praying. He's praying. He's influencing. He's 
in the kingdom. And then in a moment, he's shaken again, and that fervor is dug in again. Why are we still here? And so it's the pain that Daniel is experiencing is causing him to pray big prayers. Sometimes it's the pain that we're experiencing that God wants to use. I'm not saying he's causing the pain, but I'm saying God will use the pain to rouse us to prayer, to pray transformational prayers. What pain are you experiencing this morning? Maybe you're at home this morning. What pain are you experiencing? Are you allowing it to cause you to lean into God? I know my knee-jerk reaction to pain is complain. Is anybody else? I run to complain. It's easy to see it in others, right? But that's what I do. I was talking to Isaac the other day because we lost that game last night, and we were heartbroken, and we were complaining, and it was easy for me to recognize it. And then Isaac would say something positive, and I'd be like, that's the word of faith, you know? That's, that's it. That's what I should be saying. And we were trying to help each other. Go, but see, that's, I go from pain to complain, but God wants us to take from pain to praying transformational prayers. That's good. That's good, praying transformational prayers. Fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Because Daniel comes to the point, it's like, man, I can't be here any longer. I'm 80 years old. I want to see the restoration of your name, God, in the nations. Transformational prayers require many times pain. It's, I remember in a book called Holy Discontent, we, God brings us to these moments where we are wholly discontent, where we see something that's so wrong that we want to pound the table. And God is stirring passion in us to see something change. Amen. Thirdly, the power of transformational prayer. The power of transformational prayer. Ah, Daniel perceived in the books the number of the years according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet. Must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. The power of transformational prayers is in God and his will. Daniel didn't gather all the, the, the satraps and the magicians. I wonder what God's doing. Daniel went to the revealed will of God. Daniel went to the scriptures. He went to the Word. How many times do we come in situations that we seek everything else but God's Word? We'll go to TikTok. We'll go to Instagram. We'll go to social media. Who says what? We'll read leadership books. What does the Word say? Because the power of a transformational prayer is when rooted in the will of God. The power of transformational prayer is not that we will God for our desire and purpose, but that we align our hearts and minds to God's will and desire. See, Daniel is saying, God, what are you doing? 
He said, Lord, you said it would take 70 years. All right, it's 70 years. Lord, we're going to pray into that now. He didn't take it as a foregone conclusion. He took it as an invitation. See, the power of transformational prayer is that we align to what God is doing. How do we know what God is doing? Because we've read his word. We understand who he is. We see the beauty of the gospel and what he said about my situation. We know God's heart in this situation and we pray into it. That's the power of transformational prayer. And that's what Daniel does here. This is amazing because most of this prayer that Daniel prays has snippets of Solomon's prayer when he dedicated the temple. Daniel has coded his psyche, his mind, his, his view of the future with the word and what it's supposed to look like. It's coming out of him in his prayers. He's praying God's heart. When we pray God's heart, God doesn't say no. He doesn't. God, we're praying what, you're, what you said you would do. Yes. 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 That's the power of transformational prayer. God has revealed his word and his will through his written word. Let's start there. I read a book uh, this year, I think it was this year, talking about the Panama Canal. I was interested in that. It, it still is one of the greatest engineering feats the world has ever seen. Imagine a human-created river from here to Havelock, or here to Zebulun, whichever way you travel, digging a trench that a ship could pass through for, I think it's 51 miles. It's insane. And then, don't just do it in the desert like the Suez Canal. Do it over mountain ranges, through rivers, and jungles. It, it is, no, nothing had ever been attempted even close to it. In fact, when they finished, they had created dams that have, the likes of which have never been created, uh, man-made lakes that have never been. I mean, they, the, the the locks that were created by these engineering feats could lift a container ship 85 feet in the air and pass from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific, or vice versa. It was insane. This is what happened. And as they're creating this, it took them about 30-some years to do this. It almost bankrupted France because they started it in 1881. It took them like 33 years to accomplish it. The Americans picked it up, and it was, you know, it was, it's got its own story. It's a book about this thick. All right, so there's a lot to talk about. But what they all say is that the, the greatest problem with cutting this thing was there was this river called the Chagres that went through the area they were trying to go. You know, man, you know, we're going we're to figure it out, you know. Man, we're going to defeat the Chagras. And so they're trying to figure out ways to stop this mammoth river. But in flood season, this thing could rise 30 feet in hours. It was just a force. And you had these people, we're going to cut it through. We're going to cut it through. We're going to keep back this river. And finally, one man, just a couple men who were kind of against the grain, they said, guys, why are we trying to stop this force of a river? Let's use it. Let's have this river be our channel. And they've dammed it up and they basically, instead of trying to 
block this river, they began to align themselves with it so they could go along it. Say, this is the power of prayer. We're not trying to go, we're going to have our will against God's. But we're going to turn. God is moving. Get in the water and flow with him. You can, you can cut this little, I've always did this growing up. You'd have this little ditch in the backyard and you'd throw stuff in the ditch and watch it kind of race like pieces of grass or race acorn tops down this river. And then you'd like cut a path off of the stream to kind of create your own path. You ever did this? And you drop something in and you just like, stay over there. No power. I've created this dish. This is what we're trying to do in prayer. God, I want you to do this. God, I want you to do this. God, would you really do this? And we're cutting this and God's saying, I'm doing this. If you want to join me in it, I'll let you participate and act like you did something. Woo! Here we go down the Chagras. We're going, right? This is the power of prayer. The power of transformational prayer is not that we would wield God into our desire and purpose, but that we align our hearts and minds to God's desire and God's purpose. It's it's like we're trying to use God's principles against him. And he's laughing. He's laughing. It's interesting the language that Daniel uses here. He says, who keeps covenant, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with his people. See, Daniel is remembering the covenant that God has with his people. See, we relate to God based on covenant. If you'll remember in, in if you, the, the start of the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people was a, a man by the name of Abraham. And Abraham, God had made promises to Abraham. He made covenants. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to do this for you. And Abraham, how do I know? How do I, I hear you. I want to believe you, but how do I know? And this is what God said. I'll make a covenant with you, Abraham. And he took, he said, I want you to gather these animals. And he takes this ox and I want you to slice it in half and peel it open and, and a ram and a sheep and some birds. And he cuts this open and how, what people would do to make covenant with each other, they would walk through the pieces in this bloody mess. They'd walk through the pieces together and say, man, if I break this covenant, may this happen to me. But when Abraham is looking at this and he's waiting for God to show up, he doesn't pass through because he's like, I ain't going through this alone. And so he waits. And then when he wakes up, he realized that God didn't walk through this with man. God walked through this covenant by himself. Thus saying this, if you break this covenant, I'm on the line. That's why when we see in Jesus, our loving Lord and our great Savior, when he's on the cross dying the death that we deserve to die, he says to Telestai, he says, it's finished. Well, what's finished? I fulfilled the covenant that you broke. You didn't keep my word. You put yourself over me. You've hurt others and yourself. And that deserves death because you broke the covenant and I'm on the line for it and I will fulfill the covenant in your place. I'll die so that you don't have to. So that when Daniel prays, this is what he says, don't hear my prayer because I'm righteous, because we're not. 
hear it because of your great mercy. And you're a covenant God. And so the power of transformational prayer is to realize the power's not in you, bro. Sis, the power's in Christ and what he's done. Amen? Number four, the pattern of transformational prayer. Daniel prays three times a day facing Jerusalem. Daniel has a time of prayer. He has a time. He set aside a time. And he not only has a time, he has a place. Because sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes there's not passion. Sometimes it's not roaring. There's, but there's a habit of prayer to align my heart to God's. Amen? And Daniel had a pattern. He, he had a practice, he had a place, and he had a process. Every day at the same place. And for us, it might not be a place, but it might be a scenario. I take my phone and I turn it off. The reason I open my window to Jerusalem is to focus my prayer. What am I praying for? God, deliver us. Deliver us. You're a covenant God. Bring us home. And for us, that means turn off your phones. Shut off the distractions so that I can see God. I mean, how many times we're so amped up in our minds, I'll be in one place for an hour and haven't prayed a lick. Because what am I doing? I'm worrying. I'm creating conversations in my head. I'm answering questions that aren't being asked. Right? Why? Because we're easily distracted. So we're going to have to have a time, a place, a practice to connect with God. And Daniel knew that. And finally, in this subpoint, he had a process. And, and this is for all of us. Blake, how do, how do I pray? Maybe I'm not a praying person. This is how you pray. Daniel mar- mapped it out for us. He said this, adore the Lord. You are great and awesome. If you can't think of anything to thank God for, look to the cross. Say, I thank you that you died for me. You value me, even if I don't value myself. You love me, even when I'm unlovely. I thank you for that. The cross So adore him. Start that way. Adore God. And then confession. Daniel, it's about 15 verses of confession. Uh, We've missed the mark, y'all. We need to confess. If you want to connect with God in transformational prayer, it's going to have to include confession. It's going to have to infuse. This isn't groveling. Oh, God, oh, God, I'm so bad. I'm the worst. That's not confession. Confession is, I am disobedient to what you've said. It's stating reality. God, I've, I've, I've missed your mark. I've uh, disobeyed your commands. I've chosen my way. He already knows. Tell it to him. But that's the beginning of transformation. And finally, in this little subpoint, is that it? Supplication. He asks. Right? He asks, God, bring us back. Restore your people. So if you take something away, take that away this morning. How do I pray? Adore, confess, supplication, acts. Adore, confess, supplication. Pray that way. All of us can pray this. Let's do that. My final point is this. The posterity of transformational prayer. Do you realize that, that Daniel was 80 years old when he's praying this prayer? If God answered his prayer right then. Right then. He'd never see the answer of it. If God said, hey, I heard your prayer. We're going to pass the edict tomorrow. 
He would never see the restoration of the temple or the people of Israel. He wouldn't. Daniel was praying prayers that he would never see the fulfillment for. It's interesting here in the Hebrew, too, that this little prayer of Daniel is immaculate Hebrew. It's different than the rest of the book. I think some of the book even has other languages in it. But this is immaculate Hebrew, and he even uses the word Yahweh for God, signifying covenant, right, in Abraham. He's using Yahweh. Why is he doing that? Because Daniel isn't just praying a prayer for himself. He's praying a prayer for the nation. This prayer would be passed around, and Daniel would be crying out, pray this prayer until God does it. Pray this prayer until God does it. See, Daniel was praying a prayer that he wouldn't see the fulfillment for, but it was laying the groundwork for the next generation to pick up the prayer and pray it again until it happened. It was a posterity of prayer. It was, even as Matthew Lilly said Wednesday night, it was a legacy of prayer. So I have a grandfather, good old, good old Roy Lee Dameron. How's that for a name? My grandfather. This is what I remember about my granddad. When you walked by him, you would experience pain. That's what I remember. <laughs> Just, you know, you have pictures of my dad. My grandfather was tough. He was strong. He'd look you in the eye. He'd grab your hand, and he'd shake it until you winced. I just remember him being hard and strong. This is what I remember. I went and stayed with him one time. And it was during the week, maybe during the summer. He says, we're going to get up. It was Thursday morning, Tuesday, something. We're going to get up early, and we're going to go pray. Oh, snap. What does that mean? And so he'd get up, and all these older gentlemen in their 60s and 70s, and they'd be kneeling at chairs, and they'd be praying for God and for their grandkids and for the power of God. I'll never forget that moment. It marked me. He wasn't a perfect man. Pain! <laughs> but prayer. And he showed me, he modeled with me prayer. See, the transformational prayer what God wants to do in this city, what God wants to do in this nation, what God wants to do in the nations of the world, it's going to take more than this generation. It's going to take future generations. What we want to see God do at ECU, you think that's going to happen in four years, college student? What lineage are you going to pass on to the next generation of college students? Maybe some of you will go back and be professors. Maybe you'll go back and be administrators because what we want to see God do on the campus is not just four years. It's going to be generations. Are we praying that way? Are we passing on a legacy of prayer? Daniel prayed a prayer that could be handed to the next generation. Pray this until it happens. Pray this until it happens. And then at some point, the king of Persia said, all right, we're going to restore the temple of Israel on the dime of the government. That's a miracle, y'all. Let's imagine, like, the United States trounces all the churches, and then, if, you know, hundreds of years later, they're like, oh, we need to build these all back up so we can worship God. I mean, that's basically what happened. It's a miracle. It's the posterity of transformational prayer. I'm gonna, this one little caveat before we close. I'm going to talk to our young people in here. Prayers need to be spoken. 
Can God hear your thoughts? Absolutely. But God did not think the world into existence. He spoke it. There's not a, a book of psalms of unspoken hymns. They're created to say out loud. Every prayer we have of Jesus, our loving Lord, is something he spoke out of his mouth that his disciples heard. Prayer must be spoken. And I believe why that's such a hurdle for our young people is because the enemy doesn't want you to open your mouth. We've got to say it. We've got to begin to speak God's heart and God's word and begin to ask him out of our own mouths for things. This prayer that we have from Daniel wasn't an unspoken. Y'all remember those growing up? That's some unspokens. Well, Daniel's speaking some stuff. We're sinners. We need your grace. What's our application this morning? Anybody can pray. Anybody. Anybody can pray and bring transformation. From the businessman to the grandmother to the child at their bedside. Who are you praying with? Who are you praying with? Does the next generation know the prayers that are on your heart? I don't know why God's designed it this way, but I've gotten in rooms with men and women and hear their prayers and something happens in me. It binds our hearts together. It gives me a vision for the future. It gives me faith to believe. It's like gathering coals that are maybe black and pulling them together and feeling the wind. If any two or three are gathered in my name, I'll blow in their midst to ignite their faith. The prayer that Daniel prayed in this passage fulfilled God's purpose. Look, I, I don't know why God waited for Daniel. I can postulate. I think God gets this deep joy by bringing us along in what he's doing. He could do what he said he was going to do through Jeremiah without Daniel, but he doesn't do it because he wanted Daniel and the next generation to be a part of what he was doing. We did a series, I guess it was a year or two ago, called Prayer Participating with God. God's inviting us to participate in prayer. And it's amazing when we pray something and then God does it, we're like, yeah! It's, it's amazing what God does. Because what is he doing? He's like, hey, come, I want to do this thing, and I could do it without you. But if you'll come along, we can have some fun together. I'll bring you joy. I'll bring you excitement. I'll bring you in to what we're doing. And we don't just sit around and talk about what we're doing. We'll do it together. Isn't that awesome? Let's pray. Father, I pray that this house will be a house of prayer. Lord, that you would use the people in here, in apartments, in homes, in townhouses, all around this city, to begin to churn participating with you in what you want to do 
in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our city. Lord, there are things that are not right. There are things that shouldn't be this way. And you're inviting us to participate with you, God, in what you're doing. Because you're a good God. You're a covenant-keeping God. You have gone to the cross for us. And you're inviting us in to participate with you to see transformation. King Jesus, I pray for every human in the sound of my voice to experience your love. I love how you ended that passage, Lord. You said, because you are dearly loved, I heard your voice and I'm responding to you. I pray that everyone would know your love. Everyone would hear your invitation to participate with them. Lord, we ask this in your holy name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Let's stand to our feet as we close this morning. We'll be here again Wednesday night. If you can, come and join us to pray and worship. And if you can't, we'll be here next Sunday as well. Thank you for being with us. Before you leave, turn around and greet someone. And don't forget to check out our app for any kind of things that you need to sign up for or join or be a part of or information that you need. It's all on the app. We'll see you next week. Have a great day.